And then of course, this thing called a global pandemic came along. That put a ginormous reset in terms of your ability to sort of meet people. Everything became, you know, digital and virtual. Um, and that's actually when, when Microdose uh, was born. And the end result um, was an event which ended up running for two days, um, had Rick Doblin hosting a Zoom after party and 100 plus speakers, and I think 1,200 or so uh, virtual attendees. Hello and welcome to the Mindfulness Experience podcast. I'm your host, Keith Fiveson. We are an official Wonderland Miami 2023 conference media partner. Remember to sign up with the code MINDFULNESS20 for a 20% discount on the standard registration fee. Today we have an exceptional guest, Mr. Richard Scaife, the co-founder and partner of The Conscious Fund. Richard will be sharing his insights and expertise in the psychedelic medicine space with over 20 years of experience in the technology and music industry. He's also made over 20 investments in psychedelic medicine companies, with nine of them going from seed to public after his firm's investment. He is also the chairman of Microdose and Wonderland, the largest media and events company for the psychedelic medicine sector and an advisor to the Psychedelic Medicine Association. All right, all right, all right. Richard, how is it going today? What is happening? Thank you for having me on the show, Keith. Well, thank you so much for um, uh, allowing us the opportunity to speak with you, with you and being a partner with uh, the Wonderland Miami Conference. It's very exciting what's happening November the 9th through the 11th, and uh, we're excited to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so tell, tell me, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your work with the Conscious Fund and its mission and in investing in global early stage venture psychedelic medicine companies? Yeah, so a little bit of history. Um, mm -hmm. I guess we, we form almost part of the old guard now, um, and the old guard being from 2019 onwards. Mm. Um, so mm -hmm. there was, uh, you know, sort of 2016, 2017, there was a couple of companies mm -hmm. who uh, were looking at the space. Um, and, and really, I would say disbelief that this is ever going to be achievable, mm. that there would, there would not be a... Uh, uh, you know, a government which would be willing to allow for, mm -hmm. for psychedelics to become part mm -hmm. of uh, therapy. And, um, mm -hmm. and there'd been some very valuable work done uh, before mm -hmm. that by organizations such as MAPS, which is a uh, you know, very big not-for-profit. Right. Um, and then 2019, we started to look at the sector um, as, a, as a potential opportunity. Um, and, and we started to see some some interesting companies, got to know some people, um, uh, something was sort of happening. Um, uh, and what we what we kind of now know is that there, there were some of those very early companies were actually getting a relatively warm embrace by mm -hmm. the regulators mm -hmm. and they were being given special status mm. in terms of the, um, the legitimacy mm -hmm. and the importance of the work. Um, uh, that they were doing, um, mm -hmm. and, and it's referred to as a breakthrough therapy status. Mm -hmm. It's given um, very occasionally by the FDA as the as the US mm -hmm. uh, as the US regulator who approves you know, new medicines. Right. And that we see really now was a was a, 
a sort of a validation and inspiration to a lot of people who'd watched on the sidelines, a lot of people who'd been uh, working as medicinal chemists in other organizations, mm -hmm. but had got a uh, profound belief and understanding and mm -hmm. experience of working with the compounds, but could never, of course, be transparent mm -hmm. um, in terms mm -hmm. of the work that they were doing. So companies then started to sort of come to the market um, mm -hmm. the early part of 2020. And, mm -hmm. you know, we invested in some of those very, very early companies. Which so, companies it, were, yeah, what, what, yeah, what no, very, I mean, so very early on, um, mm -hmm. so companies like Atai, which is one of mm -hmm. the biggest companies in the space, Cybin. Cybin, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it was a huge investment, in, wasn't there? Just yesterday, indeed, just uh, just yesterday. Um, so you know, a hedge fund legend who was also given a lot of money um, through charitable mm -hmm. donations to psychedelic medicine research, mm -hmm. uh, made uh, what we believe is the first sort of commercial investment mm -hmm. um, into the sector. Um, pretty significant number. So into like Cybin. 19 million shares or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the so stock shot up from like up to 45 cents, right? Is it? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's given a real big shot in the arm to Cybin mm. and they've just recently wow. acquired um, a very interesting company, one of the very mm -hmm. early companies uh, called Small Pharma. Mm -hmm. So we did Cybin, we did mm -hmm. Atai, uh, we did groups such as Gilgamesh, which is now mm -hmm. one of the largest privately owned companies. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then of course, this thing called a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. came along <laughs> and uh, that put a ginormous reset in terms mm -hmm. of your ability to sort of meet people everything mm -hmm. became you know digital and right. virtual um, mm -hmm. and, and that's actually when when microdose uh, mm. was born mm -hmm. um, and that was uh, really a reflection of us having a bit too much time on our hands um, <laughs> uh, thinking what can we do to kind of keep this momentum going uh, and we said wouldn't it be great if we could uh -huh. maybe get five uh -huh. or six of the companies we've invested into and maybe get 50 people coming along mm -hmm. to hear about psychedelic mm -hmm. medicine mm. who've never heard about it mm -hmm. and the end result about six weeks after we'd announced mm -hmm. the dates when mm -hmm. we were all still locked down, um, was an event which ended up running for two days, mm -hmm. um, had Rick Doblin hosting mm -hmm. a Zoom after party, wow. Wow. Uh, and 100 plus speakers, mm -hmm. and I think 1,200 or so uh, mm -hmm. virtual attendees, mm -hmm. um, and, and people who attended it making decisions in terms of what they do with their life going forward, in terms of professional right. career they wanted to mm -hmm. um, pursue, um, what sort of course of academia was going to be mm -hmm. applicable to them mm -hmm. um and people saying to us well when is the next one um right, right, so we right, partnered right. up uh, right. with a group of entrepreneurs uh, mm -hmm. from canada who'd worked mm -hmm. on the show with us um mm -hmm. and had been driving a lot of the the, uh, the platform mm -hmm. behind the scenes mm -hmm. and microdose uh, mm -hmm. became um the media company uh, right. that it is now and, mm -hmm. and sort of jumping jumping mm -hmm. years forward, mm -hmm. as the world started to come mm -hmm. out of lockdown, mm -hmm. we said, wouldn't it be great if we could bring everybody together mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, put on a really interesting, uh, really colorful sort right. of reignition of the movement and, mm -hmm. and provide a, mm -hmm. uh, a space for everybody who has yet to meet uh, for the first time in real life mm -hmm. to be able to do that. 
Uh, so what we saw in the very first Wonderland mm -hmm. was people meeting their employees for the mm -hmm. first time, people <laughs> meeting their employers, uh, people meeting their investors, people mm -hmm. meeting their customers. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it really was the first time that many mm -hmm. of them had ever had the opportunity mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. to meet in, in some cases, for nearly two years, um, right? Right. And well, we this just sort of continue. We just continued from there mm -hmm. onwards. This event that went on, uh, well, last year I was at the uh, Wonderland. Uh, was that number two or number three? That was number two. Yeah. That was number uh, two, and there were close to three thousand people there, and it was just uh, such an incredible event at the Ice Palace in Miami. And uh, you know what you're doing with the platform, the Microdose platform, is just absolutely exceptional. Uh, I've had an opportunity to write some articles there as well, and it's a really good source for insight, for legislation, for uh, you know uh, everything from culture to politics to finance and so on. So uh, this year, uh, I really am excited to be a part of the 2023 uh, conference uh, at the Ice Palace again. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and uh, I think that's been a, a key. Um... Mm -hmm. a kind of key theme for us you know mm -hmm. we are working in areas of science and we are working uh, in areas of politics and legislation mm -hmm. and finance um but ultimately we're working with um life-changing uh, substances mm -hmm. and we we've always wanted to create a an event format which is a reflection of that mm -hmm. um and the amount of people who've been along to wonderland who maybe have been working in other areas of drug discovery, um, other areas of life science um, uh, for, for most of their professional career. And this is kind of their first psychedelic mm -hmm. conference. Mm -hmm. All come away remarking, saying, wow, usually wow. I dread. I dread <laughs> going to a conference. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's time away from my family. Mm -hmm. um, they're not much fun. But this is, you know, managed to sort of blend information mm um and culture and learning and culture yeah. Yeah. In, in such a sort of seamless way and that's i think like a huge compliment uh you know for us and also the people who come um you know that we uh, that we that we've managed to sort of do that mm -hmm. well that's uh it's it's going to be a lot of fun and i'm, I'm very excited and we've uh, already spoken with uh, quite a few wonderful folks uh, let me ask you you've you've been involved in over 20 uh, psychedelic medicine companies can you share some of maybe some breakthroughs or success stories from your portfolio of companies that you've worked with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you should never you never have a favorite child mm -hmm. uh, as a venture capitalist. <laughs> Got to love them all equally, so uh -huh. it's always a bit difficult right. in terms of where you want to sort of shine light. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think really it, it's, that, you know, when anybody's building a startup of any type, um, mm -hmm. They're going on Mission Impossible. They are fundamentally doomed to failure. Mm -hmm. uh, the chances of success are really remote. And, and when you then add, um, certainly for a lot of these folks who went very, very early, uh, the investors who went very, very early, mm. that, that sort of unknown mm -hmm. um, set of circumstances as to whether these, you know, whether these sort of medicines will ever be accepted. Mm -hmm. um, that's been, uh, you know, really, really encouraging and, and sort of picking out, um, you know, sort of picking out individual companies, always, always really challenging because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you, you always go into, 
you know, you always go into those sort of uh, transactions with a huge amount of hope and a, and a huge amount of mm. belief in mm -hmm. terms of the teams uh, mm -hmm. that you're going to back. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and you do you have a let me let me ask you a question? When you look at mm. the teams that you're going to back and this trepidation, you know, when we start talking about you know trusting your gut. Are there certain uh, kind of values or certain kind of things you look at in terms of the leadership or the organization or certain things that sort of like trigger you and say, you know, based on, you know, not only the logic, but the emotional, the IQ and the EQ, how you mix those together? Are there certain things that are there? And 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 again, I'm, I interrupted you, but uh, I'm, I'm wondering about like, you know, one at one at one or two examples. No, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, great question. Uh, mm -hmm. Questions. Um, so, so to, to go to the, to the when you, when you are looking at a company which is ultimately going to be involved in bringing out licensed pharmaceuticals, you you generally want to see um, a, a large number of the team members having been on a similar journey mm -hmm. in the past, which of course with psychedelics is quite difficult because there mm -hmm. isn't anybody who's yet to bring, uh, with the exception of Johnson & Johnson and Spravato, mm -hmm. a, a licensed psychedelic into the market. Right. So you're looking for people who worked in very pioneering areas of medicine. You're looking for absolute conviction, um, an absolute um, uh, ability to not shy away from the fact that the area that they're working in could still be perceived as controversial mm -hmm. uh, and not want to sort of hide from it. And um, that's that's less so now. Um, you know, we have reached a point where there is much larger acceptance. Mm -hmm. There's incredible amounts of stuff happening, uh, you know, state by state in the United States, countries, you know, changing legislation. Um, so, you know, you, you like scientists who've, who've been on that journey before. They understand the process, the requirement to go through all of those different stages. Um, and then when you're looking at the sort of, you know, the sort of more entrepreneurial um, team members, mm -hmm. you know, you, you really want to get a feel that you are going to enjoy going on the journey with them. Mm -hmm. um, right. Like, and, is this, that, like, is this the person I'd like to be stuck at the airport with for three hours? Absolutely. And there are companies, you know, there are companies which we looked at and we said, you know, oh, the probability of success here is, is, you know, possibly quite high. But there's just things which came out during conversations that we can't sort of calculate as being 100% accurate. Uh, and I can't obviously name the company, but there was one where they were uh, making statements around intellectual property that they owned. Mm -hmm. And then they contradicted themselves um, a little bit later on because they actually said to me they were jumping on a plane to go and sign this particular IP deal. And I was thinking, well, hold on a second. You told mm -hmm. me earlier you, you got all this IP. Mm -hmm. What happens if you... So, you mm -hmm. you know, those kind of things spook you. And we, we ended up sort of passing on that, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. on that deal mm -hmm. because of, you know, because of that. And actually, it, it, it turned out to be relatively successful for a period of time, uh, not as successful now. Mm -hmm. um, ironically, uh, a lot of the stones that are being thrown at that particular company mm -hmm. is around their intellectual property portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, so, right. you know, and it was... So integrity know, is a big... Uh, uh, integrity it, it is, is a big deal, yeah. And, and it's and it's it was really difficult during that period of time because you were not afforded um uh you know the ability to truly get to know someone 
you know, you couldn't sort of go out and have a quick lunch. And you couldn't sort of randomly pick which team member you wanted to spend some time with and just listen to their perspectives and what's it like to work there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was all very, very contrived and it was all right. being done digitally. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the skills that you home in on mm-hmm. uh, and that you've developed over your, you know, your, your previous life prior mm-hmm. to coming into this space were not necessarily ones that you you are going to be able to be mm-hmm. you know calling on. Right. So it was um, it was interesting times. Mm-hmm. But I say we've um, mm-hmm. you know so far we've, we've we've picked I think some some very very impressive companies mm-hmm. and they're doing some some really incredible work. And um, mm-hmm. you know the, the ones that we sort of predicted will be mm-hmm. uh, you know the clear market leaders do look like they will ultimately become the mm-hmm. the kind of clear market leaders. Mm-hmm. We've with big areas of, of innovation which mm. is you know still yet to to mm-hmm. manifest i think mm-hmm. some of the most powerful companies in the space have yet to be conceived mm. um, mm-hmm. brilliant uh, because they haven't made the scientific discoveries yet because the scientists haven't probably met right 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 and that's uh, i mean you know it's the the space is really evolving so quickly and uh you know it certainly uh, sounds like you are um on the you know, in in the precipice, you're in the you're in in the the swell of the evol- the evolution. And I'm wondering, you know, we talked about you talked about the breakthrough of the FDA providing breakthrough therapy status for MDMA, and I know you know Rick Doblin and uh, Maps has certainly gotten that. And there's a lot of uh, hope and anticipation that next year there will be uh, since they finished with phase three, there will be an opportunity to go ahead and roll a lot of that out. I'm wondering from your view, uh, standing at, you know, if you will, the mountain, standing on the mountaintop, uh, not, not you know, and, and the mountain keeps growing, certainly, uh, but, but, but certainly stand, standing on the hill, standing on one of the hills, standing on one of the hills that heads up to the mountaintop. Okay, we'll, we'll bring it back there, but still having a, having a, a perspective and a vision in terms of what's happening in the marketplace. I'm wondering what you think the future of psychedelic medicine is and how it's evolving and transforming mental health, addiction, and pain management. And where do you where do you think we're going? Yeah, I, I, I think and this is again, it's this mm-hmm. a lot of what I'm saying is going to be hugely reflective hugely reflective of the country that you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, the, the way that sort of drug policy uh, is reformed um, mm-hmm. in your country. But I've always just to sort of take the US mm-hmm. as, as an example. I do believe there will be um, there will be two tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will see what is happening uh, state by state level. So we take Oregon as the the melting mm-hmm. pot um, mm-hmm. of that. You will have these centers of spirituality and enlightenment and mm-hmm. wellness um, who will struggle to be able to make any form of uh, medical claims. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like the RFRA, the psychedelic churches that are rising up, and the communities that are supporting them. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and those will be really important mm-hmm. uh, components. Um, but a large amount of the you know the population will always go and have a conversation with their physician mm-hmm. um, or the associated specialists around that physician. Um, and that's why the medicalization model is also incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, uh, and that's ultimately where somebody is going to be able to get insurance redemption um, mm-hmm. through that through that medicalization mm-hmm. model. Um, so, those really will be the the two tracks. And, and as you picked up on earlier, Keith, 
you know, the, 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 the federalization of mm -hmm. psychedelics, we anticipate um, with, with MDMA will, will be the early part of, of mm -hmm. next year. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's still going to go quite slow. I think there'll be um, far more patient demand than there is access available. Mm -hmm. um, MAPS have a significant task ahead of them in terms of ensuring that they they can train a you know a, a legion, I won't say an army, right. a legion of therapists, and, and that um, those those therapists have places which are fit for purpose for them to work from and to treat mm -hmm. and care their patients. Um, so you know that that really is the sort of the, the medicalization strand, mm -hmm. and and then you know. There's many different names for the other strand, the, the decriminalization, the mm -hmm. local legislation, but that strand will exist. And I, I think America is quite uniquely afforded those rights. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of my time take, talking with American counterparts. Mm -hmm. I have to remind them that the rest of the world doesn't uh, follow those those models. So they are right. very, right. Luck, very lucky in that respect, mm -hmm. um, that those models will, will get to live side by side. Mm -hmm. um, we, of course, have seen um, access now being made available in Australia um, right, to psilocybin right. and MDMA. Um, mm -hmm. Again, the barrier to entry is, is still quite high. Mm -hmm. um, Europe, um, I think we'll start to see a small number of countries mm -hmm. allowing for natural psychedelics mm -hmm. um, to be available. Um, like plant medicine, meaning? Plant yeah. medicine. And the reason being is Entheogens. that mm -hmm. anything that's synthetic mm -hmm. falls to the central regulator mm -hmm. and the central regulator has already got mm -hmm. clinical trials running through the competent local regulators mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. are part of that central regulator mm -hmm. so they don't tend to ever sort of get involved um with allowing for a uh, a synthetic um uh, compound mm -hmm. to go mm -hmm. through at a at a local level mm -hmm. at a local level in europe i mean mm -hmm. a country uh, level, uh, but it's it, it's it's mm -hmm. gone much faster than mm -hmm. I think any of us really anticipated. Right. A lot of the things that we were predicting as five year, ten mm -hmm. year, mm -hmm. um, you know, ginormous leaps forward, mm -hmm. are things which have actually already occurred. Right, um, and that right. was stuff we were talking about in twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. I, it, it, mm -hmm. I think when sometimes you get a little bit disillusioned. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and certainly as the world has had quite a lot of, you know, sort of macro, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. macroeconomic mm -hmm. impacts, and, and that certainly has a, you know, mm. significant toll on right. biotech uh, and life sciences mm -hmm. in terms of the availability of capital. Mm -hmm. um, you do have to sort of stand back and reflect and say, well, mm -hmm. my goodness me, actually, in, in three and a bit years, um, mm -hmm. since we sort of, you know, started to look at this as a as a category um, right. rather than just an underground sort of community mm -hmm. we've gone we've got we've gone quite some way yeah yeah and uh, the it's really quite unbelievable especially when you had mentioned australia uh, and uh, I had uh, the opportunity to speak with Ben Sessa, who is just leading a, a team there uh, to go ahead and train maps, uh, trained, uh, you know, uh, trained therapists to go ahead and be yeah. uh, psychedelic assisted trained therapists. Uh, I went through the IPI maps program myself. 
uh, as a psychedelic assisted therapy provider. And I'm just floored by seeing how the, the evolution and how things are changing. And you also mentioned Oregon, uh, you know, given their recent uh, approvals, regulatory approvals, and the growing interest in psychedelic medicine, I'm, I'm wondering how do you see the investment landscape changing in the space? Is it, you know, because I also see the rise of psychedelic churches. I think there are more RFRA, 508C1As than yeah. ever before. You know, we see uh, so many people trying to get into the landscape, but obviously until we get fe federal regulatory approvals, there are certain things that we're going to have to, you know, put on the gas and put on the brake for. So I think, I mean, Oregon has got some, uh, uh, it's got some restrictions in place to, to mm -hmm. stop that. And I think it's probably a good thing as well to stop it becoming, um, you know, heavily capitalized mm -hmm. uh, in terms of ownership structure rules. Um, so it really is trying to put a sort of community first mm -hmm. approach to um, entrepreneurship. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and that's a good thing um, for those sort of modalities of access. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, when you look, you know, at the world that I live in, in terms of venture capital, we're always going to tend to sort of graduate more towards um, life science type models, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, federally uh, federally approved, um, uh, you know, longer term, uh, you know, higher risk in some regards. That's the world that we tend to live, you know, to live in. Mm -hmm. But I, I've certainly noticed that there's, you know, a lot of people who've had their interest peaked in terms of getting involved in the, the psychedelic medicine movement mm -hmm. um, in, in different areas than, than we've typically invested into. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're seeing people building out interesting nutraceutical products, um, mm -hmm. Amanita Mascara, people mm -hmm. putting money into, uh, you know, psychedelic therapy centers, mm -hmm. business right. opportunities real estate investors mm -hmm. looking at the real estate structures which need to be provided to clinic operators mm -hmm. um so yeah a, a, quite a, a broad mix of of opportunities mm -hmm. um right. uh, you know are being invested into and that's a good point. right and i met i met with someone over at the denver psychedelic science uh, 2023 conference uh that was a real estate developer that really developed these turnkey spas that were you know uh, around the country around the world to go ahead and really use those spas as wellness centers for using medicine in a psychedelic assisted way to go ahead and and then using the um, uh, therapies that came out of that not only psychedelic assisted therapy but meditation yoga spa treatments the whole nine yards so you know it's very very interesting that sounds like our friends at, um, at heating commercial real estate, uh, uh -huh. which we're uh, which we're investing self. Uh, so, uh -huh. uh, okay, well, uh, may, yeah. may, may, maybe I'll have to go back into my, I'll say my Rolodex, but I'll have to go back into my phone and do a search. Yeah, and and I think it's a I think it's a wonderful concept. I think there are a lot of people, though. You know, while we start talking about it's not a panacea for everyone, there are some uh, you know misconceptions, some challenges, some things that are there. Uh, certainly, not only in terms of the investment area, but uh, you know uh, how how it differs from traditional healthcare investments. And I'm wondering if you can talk to some of those challenges and some of the misconceptions that you know people might have. 
Yes, um, and it is it's, it is quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and I think when I when I try and draw a an analogy of a sort of a, a licensed therapeutic, um, which is far more effective in the hands of a skilled provider, I fall to something like maybe a Botox. Um, you know, mm. if, if Botox is in the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It can be very, uh, it can be very forgiving. Yeah, we've, se- we've, and it- <laughs> we've seen some of those disasters. Absolutely. <laughs> and if it's in the right hands, um, then depending on your perception, you don't um, notice. You don't notice. So um, you know, and that is certainly one of the sort of the challenges of um, uh, you know bringing these therapeutics to market, and the companies have really had to step up and do things that you would never see in a. Uh, conventional life cycle, you know, a life science company. So they're having to build out training programs for mm-hmm. their for their physicians. So, you know, Cybin have got a, a program at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Maps, have, you know, been on itself, um, have their program, and that's pretty unique. And, and 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 I guess we've grown up with it in this in the you know this space. Mm-hmm. But when you go and talk to um, somebody from Innovation Farm or Big Pharma, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is really novel to them. They, you know, they've they've never sort of come into this uh, mm-hmm. before, and you know these big organisations kind of like everything to be relatively, you know, relatively similar and quite mm-hmm. repeatable. Um, but we have seen very recently, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say they were true big pharma, but a very mm-hmm. large pharmaceutical company acquire a, a psychedelic uh, company. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, I think, is a very strong signal um, mm-hmm. as to what, what company, what, what big pharma company did that? I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, so the, the company that made the acquisition was Otsuka, which is mm-hmm. Japanese. And they've been investing, actually, um, mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the into the space for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was not a ginormous acquisition mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, it wouldn't make the wouldn't make the front pages of the Wall mm-hmm. Street Journal because mm-hmm. of the the size of the number, uh, mm-hmm. but it may make it because of the actual category. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's positive, and everybody has different views on uh, mm. the role that um, you know conventional pharmaceutical companies uh, mm-hmm. will play, and whether it's a good thing that they get involved mm-hmm. in this sector. Or whether it's a bad thing, um, mm-hmm. they, they they get in this sector, right. and you could have a fifteen-hour debate. Um, mm-hmm. Well, certainly uh, from an hour. Just on that. Well, that that can't that continues to be like a common theme among many people thinking, you know, in terms of biotech, big pharma, little pharma, pharma, uh, uh, you know, psychedelic startups. You know that you know at the end of the day, the play is that a big pharma company will come in and buy them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you listen. You, you, you know, you're looking at north of a billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you follow um, the most conventional mechanisms to to get a, you know, a, a therapeutic all the way to market mm-hmm. access, that mm-hmm. is a lot. That is a lot of money mm-hmm. um, that a company has got to raise or has to be acquired earlier on in their journey, mm-hmm. um, or has to do some form of sort of you know, licensing deal, you know, getting a therapeutic into the market is extremely um, expensive. Um, so, you know, the, there is, uh, you know, a role that the incumbents mm-hmm. will need to play or um, uh, 
you know, very deep pocketed private equity, mm-hmm. venture capital, biotech firms mm-hmm. uh, are going to mm-hmm. going to have to play because you know, let's say you manage to find mechanisms which cut the cost of the drug trial down. Well, mm-hmm. somebody's still got to find mm-hmm. 500, 600 million. Wow, wow, wow. So I, I want to get into your music industry background and your technology background. But I want to ask you before we kind of segue towards that a little bit more, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, whether or not you'd have any advice for, you know, founders in the psychedelic medicine industry, you know, that are looking to go ahead and position their companies and looking to go, go ahead and, you know, bring them to market uh, and, you know, given your expertise. Um, one of the things um, that we noticed very early on um, mm-hmm. when this sort of sector started to evolve was the the amount of people who were there for a quick buck. Mm-hmm. Um, and these companies were ill-conceived, badly put together, and were clearly mm-hmm. designed um, to quickly taken into public markets mm-hmm. and for some unsuspecting investor mm-hmm. To so be pump and dump. With a load. Yeah. And, you know, so, uh, you know, so please don't be one of those people. Um, uh, <laughs> that, that, say, that space does not exist anymore. Thank goodness that opportunity mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. well and truly over. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to come, you know, being prepared for this mm-hmm. to be the next five, seven, ten plus mm-hmm. years of your life. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I always point out, you know, we appeared as a as a fund at a very mm-hmm. opportunistic moment, and mm-hmm. and life is always about um, finding opportunities and mm-hmm. arriving at the right moments. We got our timing really, really well, but as I always pointed out to somebody, mm-hmm. we we can never be tourists. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to be there for the duration of our fund, which will be mm-hmm. up to ten years. So, you know, we, we're not afforded the opportunity of mm-hmm. just sort of coming in and trying it, seeing if we like it. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got to be there for the for the long term. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, you know, we focus exclusively on investing into mm-hmm. into psychedelic medicine and everything which sits uh, around mm-hmm. it. So for us, mm-hmm. that can be artificial intelligence, machine learning, mm-hmm. patient uh, data systems, media companies, mm-hmm. nutraceuticals. But, but ultimately, um, you know, you're going to be going on a long journey. And right. um, as the market conditions currently are, it's not going to be the easiest business to raise money for. Um, right. So, you know, you've really got to come with um, a long term view and, uh, you know, real sort of grit and resolve mm-hmm. in terms of getting it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the days of um, easy money mm-hmm. are, are mm-hmm. over. Um, and unfortunately, you know, too many companies mm-hmm. um, which were not going to add a whole lot of value mm-hmm. uh, did manage to, you know, raise money. Uh, and unfortunately, people, uh, you know, lost lost money on those companies. Right. right. So having integrity is, is is really important in any business. But I think even more so in this, uh, you know, industry, because it really is all about the container, right? Creating a safe container for the community and for the individuals so that they can feel like the organization and the company is there for you uh, for the highs and the lows and certainly that you understand who they are and you're yeah. involved with them yeah you yeah know, and to go to go back almost 10 mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> one please. of the things you asked me was mm-hmm. you know when you're talking to entrepreneurs mm-hmm. you know it's not a prerequisite 
before you raise money, mm-hmm. then you need to have had a meaningful psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. But it really helps. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and I do know people in this space um, mm-hmm. who have not had uh, any form of psychedelic mm-hmm. experience, but they are incredibly committed to it mm-hmm. because they've mm-hmm. actually looked at it at a neurological level, mm-hmm. um, and you know right. they they get passion from mm-hmm. from the data and the machine readouts that they've seen, um, right. uh, rather mm-hmm. than having had the experience themselves. And I think mm-hmm. that's very equally as very yeah, valid yeah, yeah. what of course we used to see very very early on um was people saying things it's oh, great it's the next mm-hmm, cannabis mm-hmm. it's right. uh it's the it's the it's the mm-hmm. i was like and that's just not really really helpful um, mm-hmm. yeah and and especially if you're talking about cannabis because i've talked to so many people who really believe in cannabis but they believe that the horse has gotten out of the gate without the saddle and you know the problem is that it's very hard to ride when you start taking a look at what's happened with cannabis in a recreational market where really there are so many medicinal benefits and so many medicinal qualities to it yeah yeah yeah. absolutely so so i want to get i you know really i want to get into the music richard i want to start talking about your music background your technology (laughs) background and really understand a little bit about that but also how that's influenced your approach to investing and you know l- leading into psychedelic medicine and the industry uh, absolutely well the, the yeah. side of me I, I did spend a bit of time working uh with some very well-known rock artists mm-hmm. and uh uh mm-hmm. some sort of pop superstars mm-hmm. and uh, can you game. drop can you drop some names please um yeah Metallica I was one of them. all right all right um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not a. I am an electronic music fan, um, so I wasn't working with my idols, but I was very lucky to to actually work with Metallica. My, idols. my my grandson's favorite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm a great. I'm in a great a great band, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very privileged right. to have uh, spent time working with them. But uh, my my passion was electronic music, um, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I was very fortunate to go on a career journey. Mm. Um, with with a lady who um, became the world's number one female DJ, a lady called Lisa Lashes, um, and we still keep in regular contact. Her passion now is sound therapy and mm. sound healing, mm-hmm. uh, and this is a woman who, at the height of her career, uh, used to be wearing leather and PVC, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. huge amounts of makeup, looking incredibly fearsome, mm-hmm. <laughs> and playing music which was never less than about 155 BPM mm-hmm. uh, to clubbers at four o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> so she's mellowed uh, somewhat. So uh, yeah, still keeping still keeping contact, but had a whole lot of fun. We were doing oh, clubs, in, clubs in Ibiza, so, um, mm-hmm. you know, touring all over the world, mm-hmm. um, and I was responsible for bringing a lot of um, big electronic music concepts to uh, to life, um, mm-hmm. which was now coming up to 22, 23 years mm-hmm. ago. And mm-hmm. really fascinating that some of those concepts are still alive today mm-hmm. and are actually selling more tickets mm-hmm. than than when we used to uh, mm-hmm. put them on. Probably, probably the same amount of tickets, they just sell them quicker. Um, mm-hmm. So sort of 20 plus years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I was involved in uh, two musical genres in the electronic space or subgenres. One which is called Hard House, uh, which is having a bit of a resurgence. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there are DJs now who are 
um, you know, younger than mm -hmm. the actual sounds that they are playing, because mm -hmm. a lot of these sounds were from the sort of 98, 99, 2000, mm -hmm. you know, and they're in their, you know, their early 20s. Um, mm -hmm. So some of these records were, were made before mm -hmm. they were actually born. Um, and one of the things I actually saw um, with, 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 what people do in nightclubs, I always have to be very careful with this, <laughs> what people do in nightclubs. Um, so the UK had um, uh, you know, a, a reputation for football hooliganism. Um, and you know, for anybody who's not familiar with the, the concept of football hooliganism, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really it was white gang culture mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and these were groups of pretty much exclusively guys who would go to fight each other mm -hmm. um over nothing more than the football club that they supported right and, and the <laughs> violence um also there were no firearms involved um there was lots of bottles and mm -hmm. knives and metal mm -hmm. bars and there was thousands of people who yeah. would invade cities. Lots of alcohol, um, I'm sure. Not, lots of not, alcohol. Not, not much cannabis or psychedelics. No, it, this is the interesting <laughs> thing with psychedelics. So at about the same time that football hooliganism was reaching mm -hmm. its crescendo and the government uh, was issuing all sorts of new laws and directions to the police and increased prison sentences, football hooliganism went on a massive decline. Mm. And that was the rise of the acid house movement mm -hmm. in the UK. So all of a sudden you had these guys who swapped from alcohol to acid house and mm. they mm. wanted to leave their past behind mm. them. Mm -hmm. and, and generally what was also associated with, with football hooliganism was racism and homophobia, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know. Uh, and these people started to experience Mm. clubs where there was you know gay people in there black people in there mm. they started to have gay friends and mm. black friends mm. and mm -hmm. you know they would go to parties and they'd feel these real connections and there's lots of really great videos on youtube mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. interviewing people who were the mm -hmm. head of the football firm mm. uh you know i.e the leader of the gang and they said mm -hmm. what made you stop and they wow. said acid house and quite often mm -hmm. they were working as the security of these mm -hmm. parties wow. and somebody would say to them have you mm -hmm. tried this mm -hmm. and they go. would try it and it fundamentally changed the way that they they looked at the world mm. and they became much nicer mm. people mm. so that was uh you know one really sort of powerful example mm -hmm. of, of where you know psychedelics um mm -hmm. changed the behavior of a large mm -hmm. section of society for, mm -hmm. for good and then the other really interesting one that I saw, mm -hmm. um, so in Northern Ireland was very much known for its troubles. Mm -hmm. And we did a show over there. And at the start of the night, one half of the room, it was a mixed show. And that was really unusual because mm -hmm. generally Catholics and Protestants didn't mix. Oh yeah. yeah. So one half of the room was green and the other mm -hmm. half of the room was orange. And there was an invisible wall mm. down the middle. No violence, mm -hmm. um, but the crowd were not mixing. And about mm -hmm. half past 12, one o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. everything was going well, and the crowd started to come together. Mm. And they started to become common friends. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. I think, again, there was a lot of that, you know, that mixing of society, mm -hmm. which started to change mm. very, very deep-seated 
um, dislike and hatred uh, mm. of each other because mm. of these people actually having um, mm -hmm. really positive, impactful experiences in mm -hmm. altered states. And if you look mm -hmm. at some of the work that's being done by people mm -hmm. like Matt, mm -hmm. um, you know, using ayahuasca and MDMA as, as part mm -hmm. of conflict resolution, you right. can understand, um, right. you know, where that comes from. So I, I think, you know, from my own sort of experience, mm -hmm. music and music culture and, and everything mm -hmm. that ran through it mm -hmm. had a tremendous impact mm -hmm. on the way that society mm -hmm. actually went about its day-to-day mm -hmm. -day business. Mm -hmm. So yes, I did that for many years. It was a, a whole lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, and very recently, um, uh, I sort of stepped back into mm -hmm. a little bit of the music world, um, mm -hmm. and we've we've launched our, our own record label at Microdose, yes. uh, Microdose Music, producing uh, what we call functional music. So mm -hmm. music which is, uh, has got a, a set and a, and a purpose, um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that is ultimately um, you know, to be using this music in a psychedelic medicine. Mm -hmm ceremony yeah. setting but you can also use it for breath work and mm -hmm. and for for deep thinking um mm -hmm. so it's it's Very nice to sort of you know nice to have it as a little sort of mm -hmm. hobby um yeah. and most of the people who are involved mm -hmm. in in that music not all of them mm -hmm. have generally mm -hmm. kind of come through the faster paced mm -hmm. yeah. sort of club environment and they've slowed things down themselves yeah. i spoke with paul nolan last year uh and uh he's our, what a what he's a, our what label a director yeah he is he's, he is just such a He's a, he's a genius, and we just had this wonderful conversation from a musical musicologist viewpoint yeah. and a musical therapy viewpoint, and really getting into the sensory aspects of it and the energetics of it. And I think it's just wonderful. You know, it's just yeah. great. No, great I mean, stuff. and the album, yeah. the album that Paul has produced, I and mean, Paul mm -hmm. has had a mm -hmm. lifetime career of being mm -hmm. the man behind the magic curtain for some mm -hmm. of the biggest names in, mm -hmm. in dance yeah, music. Just has fantastic. never really, never really gone to have the limelight. But his album Dissolve, which is on Apple mm -hmm. Music and Spotify mm -hmm. at the moment, you can right. stream it, is a really powerful right. and very, very emotional uh, mm -hmm. musical score. Yeah, powerful stuff. And uh, he'll, uh, he was uh, DJing or doing some of the DJing last year at the uh, Wonderland uh, uh, conference. I assume he'll be there this year. Absolutely. We can um, keep I'm, him away. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really looking to, uh, forward to uh, uh, linking up with him again. Let me ask you, uh, just as we uh, close down, uh, given the time, uh, can you share any exciting projects or developments on, you know, which the consciousness fund or microdose is working on anything that we can look forward to maybe an inside stoop here well, well i think i've just ruined the big reveal of microdose music oh it's great <laughs> no was, yeah there was an was announcement gonna be, that was gonna be my i saw the point, announcement <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure but, yeah. Um, yeah yeah no i, I mean things yeah. have um things have settled now mm. you know we're into mm -hmm. a groove um mm -hmm. Um, we're seeing different types of companies coming forward. Mm -hmm. um, some, you know, a little bit more focus on how they can make money a little bit earlier on in their journey. Um, we're always evolving things with microdose, you know, from the music and the training and the conferences. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some interesting stuff coming out. Um, uh, probably towards the tail end of this year, beginning of next year, around the commerce side mm -hmm. of, um, uh, of, you know, the, the Microdose brand. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, what, watch this space. And, uh, and, uh, my, Microdose, music, Microdose music was going to be my big um, finale <laughs> there, which I've already talked about. So no, no, no. 
<laughs> it's still big, man. It's still big. So let me ask you, uh, just in closing, uh, how would people find out more about you and the Consciousness Fund? Uh, so I'm uh, on social. Yeah, I'm on social media, um, and mm -hmm. if you if you want to find me on X Twitter, whatever they're mm -hmm. calling it these days, um, right. then uh, Token Richard is um, is my my handle on there. Mm -hmm. uh, or uh, you know, if you want to drop us a note via the uh, by the uh, the internet, uh, mm -hmm. that's uh, theconscious.fund. You can uh, fill in the contact details, and they'll forward the email over to me. Excellent. Well, I, I just want to thank you personally for being here. Uh, I'm really very, very excited about that. Uh, and uh, uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you, uh, hopefully, at the Wonderland Conference. Absolutely. See you in Miami, Keith. Thank you, Richard, for sharing your valuable insights and expertise with us today. It's been an honor to really learn from you, and we wish you continued success on your mission to advance the field of psychedelic medicine. And to you, our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Mindfulness Experience podcast, where we explore the power of mindfulness and the latest trends in conscious living. Remember to subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode.